At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is Mark Mankey, and this is Operation Tango Romeo. Today in studio, I am thrilled to have Sheila Cox. She is with the MFRC, the Military Family Resources Center, and Sheila's going to share with us today all kinds of stuff that we need to know uh, as far as the MFRC as a resource. Sheila, thank you so much for making the time to come all the way to Okotoks. Thanks, Mark, for having me on. Well, I sure appreciate it. Um, what I wanted to start with is just a brief overview of what is MFRC and who are you for? What do you do? So the Calgary MFRC, the Military Family Resource Center, uh, we are here to provide support to um, current and former uh, CAF members and their families. So we have a whole slew of programs, um, social events, uh, child and youth programs, and my programs, the Veteran Family Program, and also the Health and Wellness Programs. That's a whole lot of programs. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the website for people to access that? So they can access it through the CAF Connection website and find uh, Calgary MFRC through that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but your actual web address is mfrc.ca? or No, it's uh, we used to have our own, but now we're all oh. centralized through the CFMW uh, site. What's the actual address on that? I'll Googleize that here yeah, right now. Yeah, so it's calfconnection.ca. And then you can find the list of military family resources centers all across the country. There are 32 across the country. Okay. Mm. Anybody in the community knows what CAF stands for, but it's uh, Canadian Armed Forces. So cafconnection.ca. There it is. Yeah. And through cafconnection.ca, you will be able to find the MFRC. Oh my God, we love our acronyms. <laughs> it's true. I've been working there for two years and I've learned a lot of acronyms. <laughs> a whole lot of G to G. We're good to go. So um, how long has MFRBC, MFRC been in existence? So the Calgary one, I, they had their 20th anniversary in 2016. So long time. Okay. Yep. 20th anniversary. And what's the evolution been? Uh, what does it look like today compared to what it did 20 years ago? I think uh, from what I've heard, uh, I wasn't there at the time, of course, but started out pretty small. And actually it started as from the spouses, you know, the, the spouses were, and families were tired of only having services for the member themselves and wanted to advocate for themselves and the family. Uh, so started quite informally, I think, uh, and just evolved from from there into these huge centers, you know, um, through Military Family Services in Ottawa. That's our overarching uh, organization. Uh, Do you have a primary focus? A like, 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 or is everybody sort of equal? Like, is is the bulk of the programming for spouses and children? No, for everyone, for the members and the spouses and the children. So it's pretty, pretty equal, you know, we have, um, um, you know, the child and youth program that's for all current and serving members. So they, tell me about that program. So they have, um, that's Kristen. She has, um, uh, spring and summer camps for, for the kids, for military kids. 
Um, she does uh, strengthening family events like barbecues at Bonus Park and and welcome events for for new newly posted members. So she's got a lot a lot going on for sure. Uh, we also have the uh, adult events, so you know, uh, and the family events, the big ones like the Stampede Breakfast, the Christmas party. Um, you know, the, the woman who takes care of that also does, you know, evening cooking classes, uh, pottery making classes, all kinds of social events. Who who, who funds MFRC? Is it D and D? No, it's through Military Family Services. They give us about half of our money for the operating costs. Are they funded through D&D? No, they're funded through Canadian Morale and Welfare Services. Jesus, what a web. (laughs) Yeah. But we also do, uh, about half of our programming is through fundraising. So we rely a lot on fundraising as well. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, let's talk about the impact. Uh, Mm. Let's talk about PTSD. So we can stay in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. I actually know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. the impact of PTSD on, say, spouses. Yes, it's huge. Um, so the, the programs that I run, the, I run the Veteran Family Program. This just actually stood up in April of 2018. Um, before that, there wasn't really specific, um, unique programming for veterans and their families, but now there is. Um, so um, I do things like the, I run the mental health first aid for the veterans community. Uh, doing one in October. Um, I'm a referral source for COPE, the Couples Overcoming PTSD Every Day, Chris Linford's organization through uh, Wounded Warriors. So what does COPE look like? That's uh, kind of a a week-long couples boot camp. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Communication styles and conflict resolution and and that kind of thing. It's a very popular program. I've, I've sent uh, I've referred my own clients and and their their spouses. Well, there's one I can with. at least hope with uh, help with because I used to teach all that stuff. Oh, there you go. I, I teach uh, disc oh. and uh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that after the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I have a care for the caregiver uh, online tool uh, through the VFP. Um, I organize uh, their financial workshops, uh, virtual ones through CISIP. If people are, especially for releasing members, how to manage their finances, you know, from military to civilian life. Um, but w- the biggest thing I do is I do a one-on-one meeting with either veterans or their family members. And I have a whole spreadsheet of veteran and mental health and community resources. And my job is to point people in the right direction. Well, that's an incredibly important job because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a tangled web uh, as far as yeah. access, it's a maze for sure. It is a maze. Yeah. And, um, uh, other than MFRC, I mean, is that the best central point to come as far as different resources? I think so. <laughs> you know, I, I spend a lot of time doing a lot of outreach, so I have a huge sp- spreadsheet, you know, um, VAC approved, uh, therapists, you know, that I know that I, I meet personally, you know, um, I have employment resources for veterans and their spouses if they're having trouble getting work. Um, I also run, I don't know if you know about this, Mark, the uh, a mental health and wellness retreat in Kananaskis every year at the end of April. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't know about yeah. that. And actually you and your wife are eligible. Yay! <laughs> Let's go to Kananaskis. <laughs> so this is for, uh, it's, I guess, a preponderance of veterans, but we do get serving members as well mm-hmm. and their guests. 
Um, you don't have to have a formal diagnosis, diagnosis of PTSD or an OSI. But if you've had multiple deployments, yeah, we figure you're in. Um, <laughs> That's a pretty fair. Yeah. So it's a pretty the, fair assumption. For sure. It's at the, the Delta Kananaskis. We take over one of the lodges. Um, it's it's really nice because we, we take over the building, the, the rooms are upstairs, but the the conference area, it's not like the public is tramping through here. It's quite um you know, isolated actually. Now you've touched on something here yeah. uh, with a, probably without meaning to. Um, deployed versus not deployed. Mm -hmm. Is it, does that make a difference as far as AMFRC resources? No, we don't care. No, and we don't care um, for veterans. We don't care when you released um, medical reg regular release. Uh, I, I don't care because we know. Um, you know, we were talking before the show about the uh, services through Veterans Affairs and how that's changed even in the last five years, how it's become radically more streamlined, right? Easier to access services. But guys and gals that released in, you know, late 90s or early 2000s, some of them never saw a VAC caseworker, even though they might be eligible for some benefits, you know? Um, so one of the first things I do with members that released some time ago is to ask, have you ever talked to a VAC caseworker? Because that opens the door to so many things, you know, benefits, uh, financial benefits, but also access to the OSI clinic, you know, access to paid therapy, access to all kinds of stuff. And I like to throw out there at this point too, um, the effects of PTSD or we're starting to call it PTSI mm. now, which is a much better term because mm. that's what it is. It's post-traumatic stress injury. Mm -hmm. It's an injury, like a broken arm. It's exactly. an injury. Yeah. Um, what happens is that when the injury actually occurs, there's a natural defense mechanism where we think we're okay. I think I'm okay. It's a natural defense mechanism. It's like uh, you can break your bloody femur and not feel it for a few minutes. Only that uh, that same sort of endorphin rush la can last easily 20 years. And actually, that seems to be the going number, is 20 years after uh, your incident, the it's because it never did set right, just like a bone. You never did deal with it. It The symptoms start compounding. Mm -hmm. It's the, cumulative. It's cumulative sure. because yeah. the, um, uh, the difference in your behavior starts causing problems for yourself, and then it starts to mm -hmm. snowball, mm -hmm. and it can go all the way to a complete collapse, which is what I had. I had a complete collapse. I lost my house. I was foreclosed on, bankrupt. The whole nine yards, I just could not keep my poop in a group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't have to be that catastrophic. But this is why there are so many homeless veterans. That's yes. why that is a real issue and why the Veterans Association Food Bank is so incredibly critical. Yes, for sure. Um, and and uh, as you say, you know, and I think also in the DND and in, in the CAF, you know, even in the last few years, you know, mental health issues have gotten a little bit more attention and, um, and play. Um, but, you know, guys that didn't medically release all those years ago but they darn well should have, you know, they should have been medically released. And as you say, if it's not dealt with, it's, you know, it's never going to get better. And as time goes on, it just gets worse. And, and the manifestations of how it affects your family, for sure. We have veterans for, even though Canada wasn't officially involved in Vietnam, we still had a lot of mm -hmm. Canadians that went over there. That's right. Uh, we have Vietnam veterans showing up and mm -hmm. we have uh, a few that are still alive, Korea mm -hmm. veterans yep. showing up now. That's right. 
Um, and if their World War II veterans are still alive, yeah. you know, there's not too many of them, yeah. you know. Um, but we have veterans from Korea, the Korean conflict still showing up at, mm. uh, at Veterans Affairs. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, uh, it can take that long before it, get, it comes to critical mass. Yeah, that's right. And as I say, the awareness and the, you know, and, and in the military, you know, the stigma is still there. You know, even in society, it's still there. But particularly in the, in the military, you've got to be a tough SOB and, you know, don't show your weakness. And it's, you know, but I think that culture is, is changing a bit. Thank Christ. I yes. sure hope so. Yeah, for sure. Um, there is a children's book that I see popping up on Facebook written by a veteran mm. uh, entitled something to the tune of Why Dad is So Mad. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, now, are there any courses of, at MFRC about why dad is so mad or mom for yes. that matter? Yes. So um, so getting back to the, the Kananaskis weekend. Yes. So they come up Friday night. We had just have some fun activities. Um, Saturday we have speakers. So, so this is for the whole family, the Canonessis weekend? No, just the partner. No no kids. This is an adult okay. weekend. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, so we have speakers, you know, um, Dr. Zanussi from the Suicide Conference. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wooed him to come out and uh, he was very gracious. Um, you know, counselors from Woods Homes and psychologists and, and you know, clinicians. Um, then also on Saturday we have a resource expo. So all, you know, veteran and, and community health resources set up tables, like like at the, the Suicide Awareness Conference. Okay, I want a table. We'll yes. say it now. Yeah, yeah, you're in. You're <laughs> in. For Operation Tango Romeo. <laughs> you're in, for sure. Um, Saturday night, we have some entertainment, you know, campfires and things. And Sunday, a few more speakers, and then they go home. But we keep, we get those speakers to come back throughout the year and do a bit more in-depth workshop. Um, so the two, two benefits to that, uh, they only do a one hour little overview at the retreat, um, uh, because in the past we did full on workshops all weekend, but it's just, uh, it's over, so tell, overwhelming. Uh, can, can we maybe pause and talk about some of these workshops yeah. like what are some of the topics yeah. for the workshops? So, uh, I did one, um, in June after the retreat, the first one was, uh, a mindfulness expert. Um, uh, he has his own uh, company and does mindfulness and meditation. Now, for those that uh, aren't familiar with mindfulness and mm. they're just hearing, oh, Christ, woo-woo, <laughs> some woo-woo yogi bullshit, um, uh, what's your experience with, with mindfulness? So to me, mindfulness doesn't have to be all yogi bullshit and home <laughs> and, you know. Uh, it, that's it. I made you swear. That, oh, I did it. Darn it. Darn it. I promised my ED I wouldn't swear and already I'm here. But to me, especially for people who are suffering from an OSI, it's a way of you know, um, recognizing what's happening to you and not just emotionally, but physiologically, you know, the stress of, of dealing with an OSI, look what happens to your body. You know, your heart starts pounding, you're, you're sweating, you got clammy hands, your respiration increases, you know. So mindfulness is a way to, to distance yourself from that and recognize you know, I'm having a panic attack, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not going to die. You know, there's no tiger in the room. My fight, flight or fight is triggered, but, you know, I'm not in immediate danger. Here I can focus. I can, you know, distract my mind from from the, the, the trauma. And I, I got to say it works. Uh, one of the speakers mm -hmm. at the Suicide Awareness Conference that we were at, um, she was a police chief in the States, and she's a mindfulness coach as mm -hmm. well. Now, I am no expert in mindfulness. I've taken a couple of courses on it, uh, but I do use it. 
And I have had a couple mm-hmm. of panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in Ireland and a crowded room and people are bumping into me and I wanted to start throat chopping. You know, I just wanted to start swinging. But uh, I found a window yeah. and um, I was able to use the mindfulness exercise by putting my focus somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was able to calm the hell down. Yeah. And it's not just um, anxiety from crowds and whatnot where where it's helpful. It's not just the panic attack where it's helpful. Mindfulness is also good. Um, something we don't like to talk about, but I'm going to start talking mm. about it, is the fact that uh, a, lo- a lot of us, especially um, on, on the military side of uh, PTSD, we are constantly committing violent acts in our mind. You know, uh, don't want to. Mm. Uh, we don't actually have any urge yes. to 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 do this. But I have killed more bloody people with throat <laughs> chops and uh, bashing them in the head with a rock than yeah. I care to admit. Yeah. Uh, thousands of people, and, and and it's a horrible. Th- it is yes. funny. It's funny, but it, it's, it but it's not. It's, it's a, not. Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible thing to have yes. in your head. It's right. it's it's, it, it's part of hypervigilance. Yes. And it's part of what the therapy is there to do to try to get rid of that crap. Yeah. Uh, it's a it, and, and suicidal thoughts. I don't actually want to end my life, but goddamn, uh, I imagine it three, four times mm-hmm, a day, mm-hmm, minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's after a couple of years of therapy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they call them intrusive thoughts, uh, thoughts that we don't want in our head. So mindfulness helps with that. So if you're listening to this and you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about, and I know you do, um, learn the mindfulness. And if you don't feel like going on a course or whatever, YouTube it, it, mm-hmm. it there's just a million resources on YouTube yeah. for meditation and mindfulness, but it's not woo woo bullshit. It helps. And I'm just at the very beginning of learning it. Yeah. Um, anyway, wanted, yes. to, wanted to chuck that in. Yeah. So we had that guy, there's a that guy named, um, uh, what's his name? Sorry, Derek. Oh, but John, John Grillone from the the CPS peer support worker. He was, he participated in that workshop as well. Um, At the end of this month or this week, actually on Thursday, we have um, a guy named Jonathan Hutton. He's a counselor at Woods Homes. So he was at the retreat and he's going to do a follow-up workshop on conflict resolution and anger management. Uh, End of November, I have another psychologist coming in to do um, communication skills for to build better relationships. And then uh, I'm in consultation with a um, medicinal m- marijuana clinician to have them come in and talk about the benefits and risks of medicinal cannabis because we know guys and gals are using it and we want them to have as much information as, we, as they can. And uh, yeah, I'm, so I schedule these all throughout the year until the next one. So provide some continuing care for the participants. Sorry, you don't have to be, uh, you didn't have to go to the retreat to, to attend the follow-up workshops. Anybody's eligible. So uh, what is MFRC's uh, official stance on medical cannabis? Sure. It's, it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, even recreational is legal now. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a prescribed drug. You know, I know, um, I know vets who, who use it. It comes in the mail in a in a pill bottle, in yeah. a pill bottle, you know. So, no, including myself, it's, yes. the, it's it's the only way I can get a decent night's sleep yeah. without the nightmares. Yeah, no, we have. As I said, we had a psychiatrist come to the retreat to talk about medicinal cannabis mm-hmm. because we want. If you're using it, then we want you to have all the information yeah. that you need to use it correctly. Because there are potential side effects. Yes. Uh, I had a couple of panic attacks that I believe were a direct result of THC consumption. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that for sure, but um, uh, that it sure seemed that way. Well, 
I, you know, from everyone that I've ever listened to talk on the subject and, you know, um, clinicians that I know that are, are, that I've talked to that are uh, experts on medicinal cannabis, there really is still a, a paucity of, of actual empirical research on a lot of topics related to that. They have some evidence for uh, sleep management and pain management, which are mm -hmm. great. But I know, I think a, a lot of my clients are using it for mood disorder, for anxiety and stress right. and that kind of stuff. It seems to me there's less evidence to support that use of it. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work. It's mm -hmm. just the evidence is not there yet. So And CBD, like for myself personally, CBD oil also works to help avoid the nightmares. Yes. But if it tames them down 20%, like it doesn't get rid of them. No. But it, it makes them 20, 30% less horrible. Yes. So the uh, CBD oil, it takes it off 30, 20, mm -hmm. 30%. THC oil uh, reduces it for me mm -hmm. 60%. Yeah. You know, it's they're still there. They're just way less horrific. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm certainly not a doctor. Yeah, I'm not either. But it's recognized, you know, by VAC. VAC pays for it, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're using it, we want you to have all the facts that are available, mm -hmm. basically. Now, awareness of the symptoms of uh, PTSD. I mean, mm -hmm. um, there are occasionally non-sympathetic family members that yes. think you're just a lazy plug <laughs> and uh, you should just get over it. Yes. You know, it wasn't that bad. What the hell's your problem? <laughs> of course, this is somebody that's never been in a war that usually has these opinions. Yes. Uh, not that you have to be in a war to have an OSI. No, you, you no, do not. Absolutely right. not. That's right. Um, but so what's uh, cueing this line mm. of questioning mm. was a Dr. Phil episode where this uh, <laughs> monster-in-law uh, uh, just every day has a, a negative quip for, for her son-in-law who was a cop who mm. went through some horrible shit yeah. and um, she just doesn't get it. Well, it wasn't that bad. Why don't you just get over it? Anyway, what, what would you have to say to the non-empathetic? <laughs> oh, well, that's a horrible response, first of all. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that to them. But I think I would try to, I don't get that response too much, thank, thankfully, from spouses. Um, they're generally, you know, really want to save their relationships and their marriages and their families and they want to understand you know um but as much as you know having an osi and being through that experience and being in the military which is a huge community and identity and all of it but you know family members also have their own identity and experience and and struggle with this you know uh you you know i'm sure you know from personal experience how you know, the manifestations of your PTSD, PTSI can affect the family unit, right? Yeah, cost me my first marriage. Yeah, there you go, right? And I think for for spouses, um, you know, they experience secondary trauma and caregiver burnout. Um, the, the biggest <laughs> complaint that I hear from from spouses is, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to meiosis, peer support meetings for spouses, you know, I'm, I'm reading up on it. You know, I, I, I know what happened. You know, he's going to the OSI clinic or he or she, you know, he's getting therapy, which, by the way, I always caution spouses if their significant other is just starting treatment for their OSI it's going to get worse before it gets better, right? I wish that wasn't true, yes. but oh my God, it yes. is. <laughs> it totally is. And they got to ride that out at the beginning, yeah. right? And, and and what's going on there is, I call it the uh, 
the rectal exam. Somebody actually thought it was literally a rectal exam. It's like, no, 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 they're not actually going up your bum. <laughs> but uh, that would actually probably be less painful that's, if, that's, if that was the target. That's the next therapy. That, that's yeah. the next one. Well, what happens is uh, you, you start going through these um, through the triage process mm-hmm. and the, and you take these 500 questions and um, it starts picking at scabs that you didn't even mm-hmm. know were there. Mm-hmm. So it starts picking at these scabs and uh, it's a hell of a ride. It's no goddamn fun, but you do got to cowboy up and go through it because um, it's, it's the only way. It you, is. you have to pick at these scabs and poke around and poke the bear uh, which is why it gets worse. You're like, shit, that's no fun. I yeah. don't want to look at that. Yeah. And, um, but through that uh, uh, issue surface and then the surprise, what you think the issues are, are never the issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the problem that you think is the problem isn't the problem. It's how you look at the problem and uh, all kinds of stuff uh, pops up that mm-hmm. you just simply don't expect that gives you that Oh, mm, yes. That's what's going on. Yeah. And then when you have that aha moment, then you can start to deal with it. Yeah. But you've got to pick at those scabs and poke it with a hot stick before they actually. Yeah. And it's hard work. It's, <sighs> and it takes courage. You know, I think that's another thing I try and impart to people is it's not weakness no. you know, on your part. No. This is, takes tremendous strength of spirit and courage to to go through this toughest call i ever made in my life absolutely tough i stared at that freaking phone yeah um and part of it especially being a, a soldier from the early 90s is you don't want to be an mir commando mm. so uh, i'll explain that again whenever i use acronyms um mir stood stands for Mil- medical inspection room it's mm. uh where you go to um uh, to see the medic or the doctor because you got a boo-boo and uh you didn't want the reputation of the person that was always uh, getting a sick chit so you can get off duties. Well, uh, that really is a horrible mentality because mm. it's, it's uh, people see reaching out for help as a career ender. Yes. So people don't, uh, they secretly go to civilian doctors um, uh, when they're on leave so that there's no mm. record of them going to the MIR. Yeah. And um, for everything from a venereal disease to, uh, you name it. You don't want it on your fucking record if you want to make a, um, oh, there's my F-bomb. <laughs> Stuck right out. Woo-hoo. But uh, uh, you don't want that on your record yeah. if it uh, if you want to actually make a career mm. and, and get promotions. Yeah. And I don't know how true that is today, I but think it's, the perception of it is still true. Yes. And I think it. hopefully that's changing a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and, but you need to, you know, the OSI clinic is, they're trained for this, you know. Um, not every therapy works for everybody. No. But they are the the trauma specialists, you know, and for the, the family too. So I always encourage spouses, if it's appropriate, to, you know, go with them as much as they can, especially for the first orientation, you know, sessions before you actually start your treatment. Um, because... You know, it, it's it's good for them to be prepared to, to know what's going to come down the pike as well. Sheila, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing uh, some of the resources and scope of mm-hmm. the MFRC. Mm-hmm. Just remember, if you're listening, you can't do it alone. You want to think you can do it alone, but you can't. You need support. So get that support wherever you can. Uh, check out the MFRC, mm-hmm. which is available at cafconnection.ca. That's 
charliealphafoxtrotconnection.ca. From there, you can find your way to the MFRC. Yeah, and all all veterans and veteran family members are, are welcome to contact me directly for, for resources and referrals. Everybody always says it to us, but Sheila, thank you for your service. My pleasure. Thank you. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible, with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. (laughs) 